Hello, this is the Order of the Mustard Seed podcast, and I'm your host, Jill Weber. Well, welcome everybody to the OMS podcast. I'm sitting here actually in the prayer room at Waverly Abbey, but I'm speaking remotely to my good friend, uh, Peter James Ward, whom I call, and everybody else calls Wardy. So just so you know, we're going to call him Wardy for our conversation. And Wardy is the associate convener of the Order of the Mustard Seed. So basically what that means is that he does all the heavy lifting and I smile sweetly. (laughs) And uh, anyway, he's worked so hard behind the scenes, bringing shape and support and structure to the Order over uh, many, many, many years. Um, So I'm excited to actually get to interview him for the podcast. So welcome, Morty. Thanks, Jill. I'll get, I'll get to be your uh, your attractive bag carrier. It's all good. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and uh, my husband loves it when you travel with me in Europe because he feels safe because you're just kind of big and burly looking and you look, I mean, we know that you're friendly, but you can, you can look a little scary. So it's great. <laughs> It's all good. <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. Anyway, and so today we're going to talk a little bit about the six practices. And and I deliberately wanted to have a chat with Wardy about this because Wardy helped to found sort of our first 24-7 new monastic community called the Reading Boiler Room. And as part of that, in that whole kind of, and we'll, we'll get into the story a bit, that's where they, they did all of the, the work and the thinking and the formulating of these six practices that are now at the heart of our, uh, of our movement, of our order. So, Wardy, talk to, tell us a little bit about yourself to begin with. Uh, okay. So, where to start? Um, I guess the, the first thing to say is that... Um, you know, this is this is was all part of a journey even back in uh 2000 2001 when 24 uh, 7 prayer was starting so um although uh everything looks very clear and concise when you read it in books or see it on websites uh i think probably anybody who's been part of uh, a, a house of prayer or a prayer movement or a new monastic community would talk about how it's all part of a journey, um, both in terms of the community itself, but also the people that are part of that community. Uh, I know, Jill, you always talk about people soup, you know, <laughs> the people that are, are being brought into uh, the community and that, that make up um, what it's all about. And certainly that was very much uh, the case for us at the Reading Boiler Room, uh, as, it, as it became called. Um, so uh, for me personally, um, I'd been on quite a long journey with prayer. Um, I worked in uh, an IT division of one of the water companies in the UK um, and uh, was uh, just you know trying to trying to be a good Christian in a workplace environment Um, and that was kind of where I thought my life was going um, until God kind of hooked me out of that um, to work for 24-7 but that that came a bit later so I was working for, for Thames Water um, and in my spare time, I was a youth worker um, at our local church, which is how uh, I came to know Andy Freeman, who uh, helped lead the uh, the first 
boiler room team. Um, and uh, I was, prior to, uh, to the boiler room though, I was doing a lot of cathedral pilgrimages around the UK. Um, and uh, I just felt drawn to go and pray in the places where the saints had been praying for hundreds, uh, if not over a thousand years in some of these places. Um, what was it about it that drew, the, drew you there? What was the, what was the draw? I guess I was trying to connect with my place in the land, what what my place in God's story is, uh, how that connected with um, what God wanted to do with our nation and our, our town. Um, and... It, Yeah, I'm not. I'm not 100 percent sure what the what the draw was. Basically, I wanted to be closer to the heart of God's will for myself and for the nation. Um, and uh, that's, a, that's a pretty good draw. <laughs> I guess, yeah. And, um, so, and and I was just, you know, it was kind of that whole thing of, you know, trying to, you know, I'm I'm a I'm a Christian in a secular workplace if there is such a thing as a sacred secular thing. Um, and I'm just, I'm just wanting to live a good journey of faith. You know, that, that was, and, and I'm trying to explore more of who I am in God and, uh, and uh, connecting with what he wants me to do with my life. Really. That was, you know, what I was doing is I was going to these cathedral cities. I was uh, going for a weekend, staying over, and basically for the for the whole day of the Saturday, I would just go into the, the cathedral, find the chapel mostly, um, and just pray all day um, and see what God said. Um, and you know, sort of at that time, I was stumbling across uh, people like the Northumbria community, the community of of Aidan and Hilda on, on Lindisfarne, uh, the the Iona community. And so I, I bumped into Celtic Christianity and, and that sort of became very much part of my own personal Christian uh, journey. Um, and I was bringing that back to the youth group. So rooting it back in Reading, I, I was wanting to help the young people that Andy Freeman and I were working with uh, to encounter God. You know, this is, this is why I'm part of 24-7 prayer. It's, it's this thing of of actually the passion to encourage people to spend time with God so that he shows up and reveals more of himself to them. That's why I work for 24-7 Prayer. I want people to encounter more of the living God in their lives. And so I, so I was bringing back this experience of prayer in cathedrals and, uh, and with these Celtic communities that I, I was stumbling across. And wanting the young people to become excited about meeting with God in prayer. Um, so we used to do prayer breakfasts. We used to do fry-ups um, uh, as part of the youth group. Um, and so these young people would come along and we went from basically uh, them gathering uh, and sitting around in a circle and all being quiet and shy and not looking at each other and wondering what this prayer thing was. To uh, to actually 
I just had to cook the food. They they took all the prayer requests. They were bringing them all before God. Like I didn't have to be involved at all. They were just uh, they were just taking over the whole session, which was fantastic. So so that went on for a while, and then then the the the, the story of twenty four seven prayer and and what we were doing in Reading with the youth work. That's where that starts to interact, um, uh, and basically. We started doing twenty four seven prayer rooms, uh, and eventually ended up with the Reading Boiler Room. So, so that was the that was the early phase of my journey into into why we got interested in prayer to start off with. Yeah. So, tell us about the Reading Boiler Room and how that began to spark your thinking around these practices. Yeah. So, um, in the early days of the prayer rooms in Reading, this we were just being blown away by the way in which God was encountering us and the people that came into the prayer rooms. That was what we became addicted to. <laughs> um, you know, setting up these spaces often in grotty little rooms that smelled bad. <laughs> um, but, but actually, you know, uh, Andy writes in uh, Monk, I think it is about how you know sometimes even the fragrance of the room would be changed by the presence of God, um, and and so we were just seeing amazing encounters with Christ um, as we did these weeks of prayer, um, and then sort of between two thousand and two thousand and one, we ended up doing I think it was about thirteen weeks of prayer. Uh, we did a whole month at one stage of night and day prayer. Um, and the people soup that we mentioned to earlier on had started to come together. You know, there was people who would sacrificially come in and do the, 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 the late nights and uh, we sort of drop everything when there were free slots. And, and, and so we started to build our team, our people soup. And um, that was when we started to dream about doing a more perpetual expression of these weeks of prayer. Um, and so um, over the months, we were thinking about it, looking for potential places to be. Um, and Andy had received a word from one of the intercessors in the, the town that the answer was in the Abbey. We didn't really know what that meant. The Abbey in Reading uh, is just ruins now. It was one of the largest abbeys in the country at one stage. It was a very important. Parliament met there um, at one stage. Um, and... So we didn't really know what that meant. And we'd received this word, um, but, you know, we had other stuff as well. We didn't really know where we were going. We were just dreaming about a place of perpetual prayer. Um, and so we prayed over Reading on top of a hill that overlooks the, the whole of the town. And this word came back to us. Um, and we didn't feel that we were hearing anything else from God. So we all jumped in our cars, went down into the centre of town and started wandering around the old abbey site. And it's ruins, right? So what are you, yeah. you going to do? You're going to put a prayer tent in <laughs> ruins? Like, you know, what, what's the thing? And, and we were about to pack up and go home, not really feeling that we'd heard God. And so uh, Andy stood in the archway of... Um, part of the abbey that's still standing, the, the, one of the old gatehouses, and look down the street, and there's this old, boarded-up pub. And, uh, and the word was, the answer is in the abbey, it's staring you in the face. <laughs> and there it was, this boarded-up 
pub, staring Andy in the face. Um, and that was what became uh, the Reading Boiler Room. So all, all of this is in uh, Red Moon Rising if you, and Punk Monk if you want to read more about it. But um, So in terms of the team and how we came together on that place, we started to explore what it meant to us to actually be on the grounds of the old Reading Abbey. So... We, we were actually, this this pub was actually within the old footprint of the Abbey. Yeah. Um, it was, um, I think it was where the kitchens were. I might be wrong about that. I, I forget now. But it was next to the wheelhouse. So there was the, the river coming down the outside of where the, the boiler room was. And there used to be uh, like a pump house. You used to get their water from there. Um, so we had this archway outside the, the old pub. Um, that was actually a ruined bit of the old abbey. Um, and we started to pray about, it's a little bit about, you know, that connection that I was talking about earlier on about the land and what have these people prayed here before and, you know, what were they like? Um, what, how did they live? Um, and as we started to think about why we were there and why God had called us to that particular place, we started to look at... Uh, the the monastic connection there um, and um, and to think about what it might look like to try and live some of the things some of the practices that they did but within a modern context where we were working with uh, young people that had particular challenges over um, you know sort of sex alcohol drugs all that kind of stuff you know, what would it look like to be a new monastic expression uh, in that space? So that was what we started to, to think about. Yeah. So you did lots of thinking and lots of dreaming, lots of formulating. And, um, and you're in a particular time and place with a particular people. And, and sort of the frameworks that you began to develop developed out of that. So talk to us about the six practices. Yeah, so... So as we started to think uh, about these uh, six practices, um, we arrived at an initial six that um, that were speaking to us at that time. And, you know, to a certain degree, some of them were a little bit random. It was what we connected with at that time. And so the, the original six we came up with were prayer, creativity, mission, justice, pilgrimage, and community. Now, for us in the boiler room at that time, that was just about bringing six pillars that we saw from that uh, new monastic uh, expression that we were developing. And later they they morphed, and maybe we'll talk about that in a second. But basically, those were the things that we saw. We saw a community uh, of perpetual prayer, both on that site and in the other uh, new monastic sites that we were researching as part of the journey with 24-7 prayer. Um, we saw creativity. So uh, the Abbey in Reading, I think I'm right to say, was seeded by Cluniac um, uh, monks, and they were known for uh, for their worship. Um, and uh, the the um, in the ruins of Reading Abbey, there's a, a, a big... Um, 
it's actually a plaster work uh, piece of, of, of monument architecture, basically, um, that's got the first, I think it's four part harmony written musically, written down wow. musically. That was that was written in Reading Abbey. Wow. Um, yeah. And so, so there was this sense of connecting with a creativity. And of course, 24-7 prayer movement, for, for those of you that don't know, very much came out of a community that was very creative, very expressive artistically. And so this just felt like a connection through the ages uh, to, to who we were both as as part of the Reading Bordering community, but also the wider 24-7 prayer community. Uh, mission and justice, uh, very key to us. So, um, you know, when, when we were exploring the Celtic uh, monastic history in the nation, uh, we were very captured by the way in which uh, Celtic communities had a very holistic approach to mission to the communities that they were in, both in terms of, you know, pastoring those communities, but also, you know, cooking food for them, brewing beer for them. You know, these kind of things were just an all-encompassing uh, uh, all uh, aspect of life that these Celtic uh, monastic presences brought to the people around them and that very much spoke to us as well um justice and andrew freeman uh was always a bit of a sort of passionate justice warrior and, and always <laughs> still has been. is he still and is, still is. Yeah. yeah absolutely and and so um very much the sort of the franciscan uh, commitment to the poor he'd already been uh, looking into all of that um you know the there were people in Reading that we were working with who were very much at that end of the spectrum as well. And so justice was very much uh, on our hearts for uh, for the poor as well. And then pilgrimage and community, obviously a lot of my journey uh, you know, had a significant uh, impact from my pilgrimages to these communities and the rest of the leadership team as well. Uh, you know, Malcolm Penny Pierce, who were part of that team as well, they... They had the hearts of pilgrims. They they were often going off to uh, you know sort of monastic centres in Europe as well as um, in the UK, uh, exploring what God had to teach us from from pilgrimage. And we were learning a little bit about you know how um, you encounter God in the act of going um, and in the act of going to a place, and you also meet Him in the journey as well as the place that you're going to. Uh, and that was part of our experience as well. And something that we wanted to offer uh, for people who came to the Reading Boiler Room as well. Uh, maybe we'll talk a little bit more about that in a second. But, um, but certainly uh, that, that aspect of pilgrimage and, and hospitality later, which we'll talk about in a bit as well. Yeah. And finally, community was uh, one of our original six values. Um, so all of those together um were were the the initial six practices that we came up with and to be honest we didn't think uh, about them as something that was going to be a model for other people it was something that we felt connected with uh, wanted to explore further uh, for ourselves and wanted to have as a pattern for us as a community to live into as values that we saw that god had invited us into by putting us in that particular place yeah Wonderful. 
I love that because it's it's not like you read it in a book and like, oh, these would be good ideas. It was actually incarnated in flesh. This is what our life looks like. I think so often new monastic practitioners will start with theory and then try and enflesh it. But it was the other way around for you guys. You were actually living into something and then wrapping words around what it is you were living into. So I think it's quite helpful for those of us who are practitioners and trying to build communities. Um, so talk to me then about how we you got from that to what we now see with the Order of the Mustard Seed, six practices around the three commitments, the three vows. Yeah, so there's there's kind of two stages of that journey. There's the, the first stage, which was what happened was happening with us in twenty four seven prayer and uh, emerging uh, boiler rooms within the movement, and then there's the later sort of um, uh, uh, re-establishment of the IMS or relaunch of it within. Uh, the 24-7 prayer movement so it was 2005 right so uh yes that was that was when the uh, the order first took their vows within the 24-7 prayer context but we we were on a journey with as i say we had these six pillars to start off with as we called them with the ready boiler room um but what happened was 24-7 prayer was exploding around the globe uh, you know, kind of beyond anything we ever expected or imagined. Um, we really, we expected it to stop, you know, like for the for about the first three or four years, we expected that God was going to tell us to go and do whatever we were doing with our lives. And we expected 24-7 to end, but it, yeah, it didn't happen, kept expanding. Um, and so what happened for us at the boiler room was, um Word had kind of got out about this little pub on the site of the old abbey in Reading, and people were visiting from all over the world, as well as all over the country. And it was it was a God thing. You know, this was not all over Instagram and Facebook and whatever, <laughs> you know. This was in the relatively early days of the internet. People heard about us by word of mouth, and they were just attracted to what God was doing uh, with us in our site. So we had people from uh, Australia and Canada and Germany and Mexico and Spain and Sweden and Switzerland and the USA all coming to, to visit us uh, in Reading. And um, we ended up having, uh, I think it was probably the first 24-7 prayer gathering at the Reading Boiler Room. Um, and it was supposed to be a UK gathering, but of course all these people from all of these nations <laughs> ended up showing up. Um, and um, we, we were very rapidly starting to realize that we were part of something that God was expanding. And so these practices or pillars, as we originally called them, were starting to be picked up by people as a model for communities. Um, and, you know, we, we, we did emphasize, you know, sort of journeying with us and with them. It wasn't just like a model that people could pick up and and go and plonk somewhere else uh, because they thought it was a good idea. We were journeying relationally. Um, and that relational journey caused us to think about both at the 24-7 level, what's, what are our values, who are we together as a prayer movement, um, but also for us as emerging communities, we fairly rapidly had another boiler room in Manchester and in Staines. What does it look like to... To live out these practices and as the uh, order was growing internationally as well we ended up um, I think it was a couple of years later um, in the Pyrenees 
uh, yeah, it was uh, in 2004, we've been discussing these values that we've been journeying with as the boiler room and working out whether they worked in Spain, whether they worked in the USA, um, uh, whether they worked in mainland Europe. And, and as we did that, we refined what it was that God was calling us to as a wider grouping of communities. And that was when uh, we sort of slightly morphed uh, the, the, the six uh, pillars, as we originally called them, into the six practices as they are now of um, prayer, creativity, uh, mission, justice, hospitality and learning. Um, they very much still spoke to us as what we were trying to uh, instantiate in the Reading Boiler Room context, but they were modified around what we had learned together as an international community as we grew and expanded into what God was calling us into. So pilgrimage kind of was morphed into that hospitality thing. Yeah. Uh, community was very much a part of what we were building and growing. And so we replaced an idea that we already had talked a lot about um, because of scriptoriums in monasteries and things, this idea of learning and not just learning in the context of academic learning, um, but the, the idea of a more monastic approach to learning. So reflecting on scripture, um, you know, what do the, what do the saints through the ages say about particular topics and how do we apply that to uh, to what we are reading and, and living now and reflecting on those things. So a w the wider sense of learning in terms of discipleship. Um, and so that's what became our six practices. And then, as you mentioned earlier on in 2005, uh, Pete Gregg, having sort of come at the, this from a, a radical call to discipleship and covenant in the book Vision and the Vow, uh, you know, some of us were involved in helping him do the research for that book uh, and us developing the six practices. In 2005, the IMS was based around Pete's call in the vision and the vow to reconstitute the order of the mustard seed around the, uh, the three principles of being true to Christ kind to people and take the gospel to the nations. And that's what you were referring to when uh, people took their vows in 2005. Yeah. The true to Christ, kind to people, gospel to the nations. So talk to us just really briefly, where did that come out of, where did we, where did we get that, at least from the original order of the mustard seed back in what, 1716, it was founded. Yeah, so um, I think we've got some other podcasts in the series actually about um, uh, much more detail about that. So please do look at the uh, the archive. So but basically what happened there was as we 24-7 prayer were researching our spiritual history, the people who had gone before us, who had uh, understood the power, the transformative power of prayer many years before we had, we, we suddenly... Uh, realized that we weren't really as radical as we thought we were um, <laughs> you mean the prayer movement didn't start with us yeah <laughs> i know it's crazy isn't it looking back on it it's <laughs> mad thinking about this stuff but of course you know we thought we, we were we were young we thought this was all radical and new and then suddenly <laughs> we realized that it really wasn't um and you know as we stumbled across uh the communities that had done this through history um we, we stumbled across the moravians and um 
they felt like a group of people who were who were sort of like us, but just three hundred years before us. Yeah. Um, and and so you know, as as we were doing research into that, um, Phil Anderson, I think, is on one of the earlier podcasts. He he's probably one of the modern experts on uh, Moravian history um, because of the research that he did at the time. Um, you know, we were all talking with Pete around this real passion that Pete had about calling people to the radical, discipled, committed life to Jesus. Um, and so the vision and the vow is basically a call to embrace vow and covenant as radical obedience to Christ um, and and a call to uh, to take that, um, uh, that OMS vow to be true to be kind and to take the gospel to the nations. And uh, so, yeah, that, that's that's how we arrived at that place in 2005 um, in uh, Holy Trinity Clapham, which was the uh, the place, the founding place of the, uh, the, the Clapham sect. William Wilberforce was there. Um, he was there at the meeting? Uh, not, no, no, we, we're not that young or old or whatever, but he was he was there before we were. By, by some number of years um and uh, yeah that's where that's where we sort of re uh, reconstituted the order of the mustard seed in february 2005 and basically our, our vows at that stage were primarily focused around those three principles yeah wonderful so the three principles then getting worked out in those six practices so yeah, lovely. So, I mean, there's a little bit of the backstory and a bit of the history to help us understand how we got from A to B on that. But can you just maybe finish up with just a couple of words or, or a couple of thoughts around how, what's this been like for you? How has this shaped your heart and your life since taking your vows? Well, I mean, it's been this journey for you, right? First year pilgrimage through cathedrals, then into being part of the founding of the Reading Boiler Room and being on a journey with that community, but then also becoming a member of the Order of the Mustard Seed. So what has it meant for you, for your life to be shaped by those six practices? There are lots of uh, kind of ways in which we we can describe uh, being shaped by the practices of an order. I know that one Jill you often uses about trellis and uh, being a healthy framework for uh, for growth. And um, for me, the the principles and the practices have very much been that. Um, and, and a lot of a lot of people talk about the, the potential for getting into legalism as well, um, which is a danger with things like this. Um, but thinking about it recently, I was thinking about how for me it's much more about invitation than instruction. Um, and so, basically, for me personally. Um, it helps me to uh, have a structure to keep myself accountable to the things that I I want to grow in. You know, it's it's not Jesus giving me a hard time about you know when I've not 
lived up to my prayer ideals or when I've not done enough mission or when I've not been kind enough to people or anything like that. Although occasionally he does draw me up on that one a bit. <laughs> it's always <laughs> but, the hardest but, one. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. Um, but, you know, I know that I am aided in my journey with Christ if I have some structure to that journey. Um, and, um, you know, I'm the kind of person that doesn't like to have everything pre-planned. Um, you know, I'm, I'm quite happy to go with the flow on, on many things. But um, and, and that can lead me just naturally to not being as focused on my Christian walk as I might like to be. And um, and so for me, it's about trying to, you know, it, it's, it's an act of love back to Jesus for how he has loved me. Um, I, I want to grow more deeply in him. I want to have a prayer life that brings me closer to him. Um, I, I want to see him in the face of others as I'm thinking about how to talk to them about him. Uh, you know, when I'm when I'm learning, I want my mind to be shaped by him. And so, for me, it's it's a, a really good way of keeping myself on track, and it's also a really good way of um, docking in with things that I know are really valuable to me as well. So um, within the order, um, many of us will have personal customaries where we where we define how we're going to live out these six practices because this isn't like the rule of Benedict where we have detailed instruction on exactly how we're living out our lives. Um, it's some fairly broad uh, practices that we expect our members to live by and it will look very different uh, to me here in Chatham, UK, to uh, what it looks like um, for Les in Nigeria or Shira in Hamilton or, you know, the, the, there's people all over the world living this out in different ways. And so our customaries help us to, uh, to look at how we are practically going to live out prayer, how we are practically going to live out uh, mission or justice. Um, and so it's a really healthy way of reviewing how we're doing against what our own, you know, sort of uh, aspirations are for our journey of faith. And um, for me, it's a really healthy way of looking back at those things that I know are really valuable in my life. I, I felt called to, uh, to take my, my vow. Um, and it's a way of, of looking back at, Actually, I've said, Jesus, I want to get better at these things with you. How, how, how are we doing? How, you know, how, how am I doing? Uh, and and is there anything I need to change? Not in a burdensome way, but in an invitation to uh, to to look more like him, I guess. Mm, so the invitation to love him back for the way that he's loved you and an invitation to look more like Jesus. Those are winsome invitations. Thank you, Wardy. I think that's been really helpful for us. You're just on the journey of understanding the OMS, the six practices, how that has, where it all came from and, and how it was formulated 
in, in the midst of a real life community life and then how it shaped and morphed and grew into not only the, the Reading boiler room, but, but grew into being an, sort of a, a super helpful framework in the 24 seven movement as a whole. And of course, those of you who are follow the Lectio 365 daily devotional app, you will notice that the Lectio 365 app, of which Wardy works tons on, <laughs> he's doing all this backroom stuff, keeping that, that little thing chugging. Um, you know, it's shaped around six practices, our six practices. It's a way of kind of sharing that gift with the world and inviting people to come on that journey with us in whatever way is, is helpful for them. So, yeah, so good. So, Wardy, do you think we can, you can just pray for our listeners? Would that be all right? I would love to. Father, I pray that uh, for everybody who, who's listening to this, this conversation, uh, Lord, that there would just be something, a uh, little thing throughout uh, the, the podcast that really speaks of you uh, to each individual. Lord, would you invite us uh, to our own personal amazing journey with you. It might be that that's part of the order of the mustard seed. It might be something else completely different. But Father, I pray that you would uh, reveal the things that you are putting in our hearts that will draw us closer to you and lead us on uh, the amazing journey and adventure of faith that you created each one of us for. Lord, we thank you for the relationship that you have with us. And we pray that we will know what it is to journey with you all the days of our lives. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode of the Order of the Mustard Seed podcast. For more information about the Order, you can find us at orderofthemustardseed.com or on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter. May God grant us grace as we follow his invitations to be true and to be kind and to go.